Well, good morning. Pastor, thank you guys, appreciate it. Um, Pastor Steve and his family are in the mountains, and I, they may be watching us via the live streaming now. Y'all turn around and wave at Pastor Steve and everybody. Yeah, they're up in the mountains, and uh, I think their whole family, the, the whole extended family, everybody got together this week, and we're delighted that y'all got, got away. Don't let any bears bite you or anything like that. Uh, stay safe, and uh, we know that you will. Um, I wanted, I wanted to uh, just to highlight something. I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't. Um, last week, uh, when our youth were up here and they gave uh, testimony. Um, you recall they had gone away on a, a mission trip, and uh, y'all, God's doing something with our youth. There's something very exciting uh, going on, and, and it culminated in that trip. And we, we heard the testimonies of these uh, young people, uh, how their hearts had been rent and, and touched. And, you know, there's so, we hear so many bad things, some, you know, about young people in, in, out there uh, in, in the world. You know, when we see God doing something like that with, with, with our young people, we ought to stand up and cheer. Can you join me? Let's just, let's just cheer and thank the Lord. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Woo! Woo-hoo! Amen! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And, and if you just think for a minute from the point of view of a mother... Uh, or father, who sent their youth uh, on such a trip. You know, some of them are new in the youth group. Matt's doing such a wonderful job with the leaders, many of whom are here today. And, uh, you know, he's doing such a wonderful job, and God's doing such... But they're new, and they go on the trip, and they, they're maybe awkward, they're hurting. Uh, they don't know a lot of other kids. And if you're a mother... You're back home, and you've been praying before the trip even started. You're praying that God would break through to your child because there's nothing more important in the whole world than, than that God would touch my child. That, you know, why is it that that's so important in the heart of any parent? Because we know we can't go with them. There'll be a day when they go on, and we can't go with them. But God, we know God can go with them. That God can be an anchor to their souls. And, and so when we see, you know, and that mother, I, I, I talked to several mothers this week who, who had youth who went on the trip and they knew their kids were uh, going through a lot and they were hurting in different ways and they didn't know some of the other kids and, and, and they went and, and, you know, they were back home that praying that God would do a, a great work. And can you imagine when they came home and God did a great work, the joy that those mothers felt and fathers, because they know it's more important than just having a, a, an emotional experience. It's, it's about uh, Christ touching uh, young people's hearts. And, you know, one of the, uh, the things that, that I know they did was they went out and they did a lot of ministry with shelters and homeless and feeding people and doing different things. But at night, they would have these meetings where they would worship the Lord and, and it went on and on. And then all of a sudden, God broke 
people's hearts and broke loose in that place as they were willing to risk being known. Have you had that experience where you, you, you just get broken open and God just, <laughs> just starts doing something that you know you needed but you didn't know how to articulate and, and, and that was started to happen and then there was a, a, a great outflow because they were risking being known and the pain of being isolated behind appearances came out and there was a lot of tears they said and then the corresponding laughter followed it because there was a great joy in, in, in being touched by God. We know that experience sometime in our life. Every one of us when God touched us and we, we long to have that happen again and one of the, I think Lily said, I I've been under a dark cloud for so long, but the, the sun finally broke through to me. And you know, all of us want that in our hearts, that, that God would touch us. And, and Matt said on the phone to me, you know, kids will... And he said it today, uh, or last week, that, that kids are going to forget the messages we, sh- we share, but they're never going to forget being touched by God. It's indelible. It's in their hearts. And yeah, the memory may fade, but they'll never forget where to go for help. They know where their help comes from. Amen? They've found something that, that, that can, can, can help and touch them. And they found that in community with other believers. And you see, isn't that what we're all about, beloved? Isn't that what we're all about? What we, we want more than anything in the world. And, and it's so important that we don't just jump over that and, okay, the youth. No, God is up to something. And could it be that, that, that maybe God is going to use the, the very thing that's touching them to touch us again? You know, I, I, that's what I found myself longing for, even as they were sharing it with tears in my own eyes. And I talked to a couple grateful mothers who had who had been, uh, been praying for their kids, as I mentioned, and, and, and they just were, were so, uh, they could choke back to tears. They, they'd been praying for, for a real breakthrough. And it, 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 some one of them said, it means the world to me. It's an unbelievable gift. Because I know it's an anchor that, that, that will hold them in the storm. And one mother shared a, a prophetic word that I, I wanted to share with you. It was concerning the church. And she said she saw a pregnant woman who was weary of miscarriages of hopes and dreams. They, they were weary. And, and it, it, she said it seemed like the Lord was saying, look at me. Don't look the, here. Look, look at me. Stop being afraid of what you're going to lose. Are you willing to let go of what you're afraid of to receive the new thing I want to do? It isn't too late. It's never too late. Don't give up on your hopes because of your fears. Amen? Don't give up on your hopes because of of your fears. It's not too late to receive more. And you know, as I was sitting there, uh, you know, hearing that, my eyes... were filled with, with tears of gratitude for what they experienced. But it was also something more. It was wanting more of that in my own heart, in my own life. 
Oh God, I've tasted of that. I want to be released into that. Not just an emotional experience, but really being touched by the presence of, of God. It ruins you for the ordinary. Amen? You can't really go back because you, you, you know what that's like. And as I was kind of whining, <laughs> I really did hear this in my spirit. I don't hear you know, audible, but I, I felt like the Lord asked me a question. And he, in my spirit, I felt like he said, well, are you willing to do what they did? Are you, gonna, really, are you willing to do what they did? Are you willing to risk and do what they did? Then you can get what they got. Well, Willing. And I was thinking about it. There's a difference between willing and wanting. We want lots of things. Right now, we want it. But could it be that God is asking us, are we willing? Are you really willing to be broken? open again and to trust humbling yourself and being honest about the pain in your life because see that's what they did they were worshiping the lord but it, it got to the point where a, a lot of that which was in them was god wanted to get at it and break it open so that they could move from the weeping to the laughing and, and you know, I, I, I don't think he, he, he's a respecter of persons. What he does for one, he'll, he'll do for others because all of us are children. All of us. And Lord, we pray that, that you'd put before us an opportunity to be broken open. That we wouldn't just want, that we would will and be willing to risk to let go of our appearances, our fears, our what do other people think. Oh God, we need You. We need You. And You're always wanting, Lord, to do a deeper thing, a, a richer thing, a fuller thing. But my fears, Lord... My fears keep me. My fear of man. Have mercy. Do a deeper work in us, God. May we become pregnant again. And, and Lord, may we not fear. May we anticipate blessing even as these youth did. As they stepped out, they knew You were going to meet them and You did. Oh, could it be, Lord, that we could taste of that first love? We are hungry for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now we live in a, a world that loves to focus on fear. 
We live in a world that focuses and loves to focus on problems. Have you ever noticed the news? Uh, yeah. Uh, you're about ready to, you know, I mean, I've been watching the news and past several weeks, the nightly news reports how our economy is going from bad to worse, how solar flares from the sun are going to make airplanes crash, how asteroid, an asteroid barely missed the earth, how to survive a zombie attack. Uh, no, really, I'm not making this up. Maybe that last one. Maybe the last one. Okay. <laughs> Those are pretty extreme situations, but we know that there are uh, difficulties that, that we do face on a, on a regular basis, uh, and, and they are hard, and they do overwhelm us uh, sometimes, getting laid off of work. I know some of you are. Struggles in your marriage, having a ch many children. I was talking to somebody about that today. Just, there, there are a lot of stresses. Graduating from college, some of you have, with debts and you don't have a job to pay for all that. Taking care of aging parents. Being an aging parent. Getting a phone call from a doctor that they need to see you as soon as possible. Losing somebody you love. I know many of us have done that recently in this church. And I thank God for the Grief Share community really loving and coming alongside. Come be a part of it. You know, we could go on. Life is overwhelming. We have all kinds of things that accumulate on every one of us. And you can get isolated, can't you? And you can lose hope because you don't see alternatives. But let me ask you a question. Just because you don't have hope, does it mean it's hopeless? Can you say? Just because you don't see alternatives, does it mean that there are not alternatives? No. God will make a way. There are ways. And He can help us, but not if we're isolated. Not if we're not really willing to humble ourselves. Could it be that God is bringing you to a place, uh, to the end of, of yourself for a purpose? That He has a, a greater purpose? That he, He's not delivering you from your problems, but through your problems? He's using the, the actual crucible of what you're going through to actually get at the real problem so it really can be solved. Just think for a minute. Do you believe that God has good things for your life? Think about it. Do, do you believe that He's working even now behind the scenes to cause your life to be good and to work. You know, a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people think God's out to get them. You know what I'm talking about. He's, he's up in heaven. He's a cosmic killjoy. He, he's, he's wanting to, to get you, to catch us doing stuff, to trap us, to, 
to, to conscript us to be uh, like slaves. You know, I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a minute. When I see the face and the tears of Jesus, when I, I see Jesus uh, talking to the masses and, and, and saying to them, Come unto Me, all ye who are, are weary and heavy laden. I see tears in His eyes. He sees how vexed and, and, and tormented and how difficult life really is. Learn of Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. It will it, bring rest to your soul. Here, here's a way. I know all this is terrible, but here's a way that leads to life. I believe in John 10.10 10, when He says to the disciples, look, the enemy is out to harm you. You have an enemy. He's going to seek to destroy and kill. But I've come that, that you might have a blessed life. I want your life to be Blessed that you know God wants good things, that, that He's working behind the scenes even now. Well, you don't understand, preacher. You don't understand what I'm going through, what my family's going through, what we've been through. Hold on. In Romans 8.28, if you put that up or turn to it in the Bible in front of you or one you've brought with you, it's a verse that you all know. You've memorized. But I want to look at it afresh, and I ask you to look at it afresh. It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. We know. It's an assurance. God is wanting to give a promise. We can hold on to it. that, 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 that It will work for good if you love God. How can I call God good, you may be saying, when, when things are so bad in my life? You're, you're up there saying that God is good and He wants good and He's working for good behind the scenes. I don't believe a word of it. If that's where you are today, I understand that. I, in Celebrate Recovery, you wouldn't believe the, the pain and the stories of, of whatever that people have been through. And no, it wasn't all their fault. Can you say amen to that? You know, sometimes we have this idea that if somebody has a big problem, it's probably their fault. No. People get victimized and crushed in all kinds of ways. And yes, they make bad decisions as we have. You may be skeptical today, and I agree. It's really easy to call God healer when... When you're healthy. But what if you have cancer? It's really easy to call God provider. But what, what if you don't have enough money in the bank and your kids have to eat? It's easy to, to say, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me until we really need Christ to strengthen us in, in some battle or crisis we're going through when we're overwhelmed. I understand that in my own life. So why should you or I trust God when your life is, is falling apart? You know, I was thinking about that. Why should we trust God when our life is falling apart? 
It's because He's the only one who can put the pieces back together. To whom shall we go? You alone have the words of life. That, the disciples didn't understand everything about Jesus. He seemed really strange sometimes, even bizarre. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then, then He turns to them, having had people leave Him, and He says, will you go away also? And they said, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of life. I know, I don't understand you, but I, I know that you're the only one who can put it together. He's the only one who can pick up the pieces in a mystery and use them ultimately for good in our lives. Now I want you to look at that verse for a minute. I want you to look closely. Does it say all things are good? Tell me, does it? No, it does not say all things are good. Why? Because all things are not good. All things are not good. There are things that are heinous and evil. The elementary school children being murdered at Newtown, Connecticut was not good. The innocent children, a child being molested by a parent is not good. Crazed gunman is welcomed into a house of God, a house of prayer in Charleston. And, and, and the very people who extend kindness and love of Christ to him are murdered. That is not good. The tsunami in Japan with 19,000 people dying, it's not good. A civil bloody wars everywhere are not good. The cancer's back, it's not good. There are a lot of things, beloved, in the world that are not good. What does God say? What's the promise in the face of what is not good? He's saying, in the face of all these things, God can take even all of these things and turn them and bring them around and work together for the, the benefit and the good ultimately for a certain group of people. It, no, it's not for everyone. It's for a certain group of people. And who are those people in this verse? Look closely. It's those who have been called of God. He, he, he causes all things. All things aren't good, but He can cause all things, ultimately. If we give the broken pieces to Him, He can cause them to work for good for two groups, uh, two, one group of people who do two things. They love God. They've found the, the Lord Jesus, and they've found the grace of God through that personal relationship with Him. And, and, and they're willing to give the broken pieces even though they don't understand. They're willing to give them up because they know He's a Savior and a Redeemer. Those who are called of God, those who, who love God rather, and, and are called according to His purpose. What does that mean? Being called. Are you called according to God's purposes? Are you living for a cause greater than yourself? That's what it means. Are you living for, for Him, for a cause greater than yourself? It tells us in verse 29 what that purpose is. It's to be conformed to the image of the One who saved us. Because this world not only needs Jesus, but He needs us. Isn't that true? 
He needs Jesus in us. The world does. But I've got to tell you, all things do not work together for good. For those who are living for themselves. Have any of you ever lived for yourself? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> I'll raise my hand. Have, have I ever lived for myself? Absolutely. I'm telling you, I have made such a mess in my life when I was living for myself, when it was all about me, when I had to have it my way. I put myself through a lot of pain. I can blame a lot of other people, but guess what? It really had to do, as Pastor Steve said last week, I'm my biggest problem. That, can you say amen to that? It's a little hard, I understand. That's ooh, getting that out. But if, if we don't see that self, we're our biggest problem. It is, it's our reaction to what they did. It's not them. It doesn't work for good when we live for ourselves, but only when we live for Him who loved us and gave Himself up for us. Any old way, says Jesus, won't get you there. It's out of compassion He's saying, look, learn of Me. There, there is a way that works. I know there's a lot of pain, but here's the way. Even through the trauma of it, I'll make it work for good if you, you'll follow. I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want the life of God, follow me. Come, learn of me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest. You'll find a place of, of grace. It takes even the tragedy and somehow in a mystery begins to turn it and and use it for good. Beloved, we have a part to play. It's not just God. You know, we can pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, I have a friend, uh, accountability partner, <clears throat> who was telling me that he, he fought, he's on his knees and he prays and he goes through a certain prayer in the mornings. And he was saying he, he gets to a certain place where this past week he... He prayed, Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And then he felt in his spirit that the Lord wanted him not to pray, just Thy thy will be done. But Lord, help me to do Thy will. Not just You do it, but Lord, help me to be found doing Your will. Risking, listening, and then obeying and showing me what You would have me do. Jesus said, you've heard these words. Bless. You'll be blessed if you do what? If you do them. You've heard all the words, but you're going to be blessed, He says, if you're willing to do them. You don't get blessed just by hearing them. They don't get activated. They don't energize. And It's as we step out on them that we find the power. As the youth stepped out into uh, being risking, sharing their hearts and, and being broken before God met them and great things happened. It's not in just hearing the Word. It's in, in doing it. And again, I share myself as a negative example. 
of not doing it. There was a time when I went through some real great darkness and discouragement. Have you been there? And yes, everybody. And I was discouraged and hurting. I, I knew God. I loved God. But there was a lot of pride in my heart. And so I had gone through some losses in my family and otherwise, and I, I, I began to get depressed. And, and then I, I was ashamed that I was depressed. I'm a Christian. I should, and and I, I started to hide because I, I just felt ashamed. And, and, and my pride, and, 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 and I got more depressed. And then I, I started to get anxious. And rather than, than humbling myself, I, I continued to isolate in my pride. And then finally, I started having panic attacks. And you know what? I no longer could isolate. I would get help from anybody. Anybody. Is there anybody out there? God brought me through a process of humbling me. And He did not, listen, He did not take me out of, uh, of, the, of the circumstances. He, he used the circumstances to bring the healing. To bring what I really needed. Did you know that Jesus had a brother? Did you know that? The, his, his name was what? Jan- That's my namesake. And, and, and he wrote a book. Anyone know what the name of the book of the Bible is? Hey, you're good. And so, so he wrote this book. And isn't it interesting that James, the brother of Jesus, picks up over and over this idea of not just hearing the Word, but, do, but, but doing what? Doing the Word. And, and what, James is a pastor. He's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And you know, pastors, they don't have time for a lot of, uh, of ivory tower stuff. It's got to be practical. It's got to work in people's lives. And so James, he's very practical. Don't just be a hearer of the Word. Be a what? Be a doer. Why? Is, is James just kind of trying to be the hard guy? No. He's saying, look, if you want the life of God, do. You step out. And it energizes. It activates the Word of God. If you just hear the Word and hear the Word and hear the Word, what happens? Nothing. You become religious, actually, is what happens. And you know, what, do, it, what does the Word of God say religion does? It kills you. It, 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 it just is horrible to have all those rules and, and, and not have the touch of God, the life of God. So James is saying, look, if you want the life of God, don't just be a hearer, be a doer. And so his, his book is totally practical. Turn there if you've if you got a minute. And I'm just going to finish with this. James, uh, again, he's a pastor. He's, he's, he's just telling people practical stuff and not messing around. And, and one quick aside. I, I love this. Just a quick aside before we look at it. You know, isn't it interesting that James, the the brother of Jesus, I believe this is such a great thing. Listen, he believed in the divinity of his brother. He begins the, the chapter by saying, first chapter of James, James, a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me, listen now, just real quick. 
How many of you have a brother? What would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the Messiah? Okay. Pretty unlikely, right? It's probably... It's probably much more likely that you'd be convinced, uh, you know, growing up and all, that your brother was not the Son of God, but uh, the opposite, if you know what I'm saying. But isn't it an incredible proof of who Jesus was that James, the brother of Jesus, knew he was a servant of, of Jesus Christ? And he gives a lot of real practical advice. And I won't go through it all, but just the, the first chapter, he, he's saying, look, you're going through, through trials. Look, if, you, if you're having to go through them anyway, you might as well embrace the rigor of it and, and grow deeper. Grow deeper in endurance and depth. It will complete you. It will bring something into your life that cannot be shaken or taken away from you. Go through the rigor. Embrace it. Don't just keep trying to find a way out of your circumstances. Go through your circumstances and allow it to galvanize something in you that can't be taken from you. Verse 12, Blessed is the man who perseveres or the woman under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life. Do you want that? Amen. Over in verse uh, chapter 4, he he says, look, you're going through trials, you're going through, you're quarreling. Well, that happens wherever uh, you, you get uh, three Presbyterians, you find four opinions. So that, that happens, and he tells them what to do. And finally, in, in chapter 5, he's talking about, look, are you suffering? Are you, are you going through hardships? Are you sick? And it's not just, just physically sick. I believe he's talking about are you emotionally sick? Are you anxious and overwhelmed? He tells them right what to do. He says... Uh, look, verse 13, is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Now, whose responsibility is that? Can you say it with me? Ours. If your first step is, if you're suffering, that you're to pray. You're to go to God. He will be a present help to you. Seek Him earnestly. We're personally responsible for that. And secondly, is anyone sick among you? Let him do what? Call for the elders of the church. It's sort of like coming into an order. You may have been disordered. You may have been all over. Look, let's take responsibility, verse 13. Let's come into a godly order. If I'm going through something big, I need to call on the elders of the church. Now, are the elders the only one who can pray for us? We can pray for each other. God will use powerfully our prayers. Some people have a real gift at prayer ministry. Is anyone, say, call the elders, let them anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith, offered in faith, will restore the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, verse 16, confess your sins one to another. Confess whatever's going on, the, the, the difficulties. Not just, but you, did you realize in the early church, they actually did this in the church. They really did. And they experienced an incredible grace because they actually practiced this. And it was not just a forgiving of the sins. Notice verse 16. Uh, you're to pray for one another. That, that it, it actually, as you confess your sins and pray for one another, it actually does what? Somebody tell me. It heals you. We're not talking... You know, there's a difference between being forgiven and being healed. 
A lot of us, you know, we're forgiven and need to be on a regular basis, some more than others. Just kidding. My wife is just, I, I, I can see you got something over there, honey. But don't say it. Don't say it. We all need forgiveness of our sins on a regular basis. But what if you're interested in, in healing? It's different. We need the body of Christ. We need a prayer partner. We need healing ministry if we're going to be healed and not just forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins and, and, and be healed. For the, the fervent, expectant prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. So, so there's a process there. Personal responsibility. Coming into the right order. Personal confession. Christian community. And then prayer. It, it, it brings the, the wholeness that, that our hearts uh, all, all need. I'm almost finished. Promise. You know, I'm proud of something in closing. I'm proud of the fact that we have a church. That we're a part of a, a body here. That it's okay not to be okay. Can you say amen to that? I, you know, I've, I'm not thrown off on any other churches, but I've been in some way, you know, growing up. We're the last person you'd ever tell you had a problem was the preacher. That's the last person you talk about any problem. It was all about appearance management. And we were good at it. And we were hurting as a family and about to fall apart. I'm so grateful that it's okay not to be okay. Not okay to stay there because God has answers, but it's okay not to be okay. That we're in a church where people can admit that they're struggling without the fear of being maligned or, 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 or kicked out or, or the rumor mill. No, you, you, we're in a good place. You know, there, there's been a, a real distortion of the church over the years. The perception is the church is only for, for perfect people. It may be culturally understood that way, but how many understand that that's not biblically understood that way? That's not what the Scripture says, is it? The church should be a place, where, uh, shouldn't be a place that we run from, but a, a place that we run to. Amen? That, that we can find help here. And, you know, isn't it a beautiful thing when, when we walk down these halls? You know, sometimes during the week and some people will be gathered in the hall just praying over somebody. Uh, or, or after the service, people will gather up in little, little enclaves and care and pray for each other. Or somebody may come to the altar here and just, just kneel down, not caring what other people think. And, and, and isn't, that, isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, I had somebody say to me, not in this church, said, Jim, you're a pastor. You can't be telling people that you've been clinically depressed and had panic attacks and that, that you go to Al-Anon and you have a sponsor. You know, they're going to think you don't have it all together. Uh, duh! I don't have it all together. But here's the good news. 
the beauty of it. I don't have to. I don't have to have it all together. He has it together. Amen? And I'm trusting Him. I don't have it, to, I don't have it all together. I don't have to. Because I'm trusting in Him. Are you? Can you say amen? I, I, I don't... Lord, I can, I can have problems and faults. I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to get more and more grace. Because I, I don't have to have it all together. But you do, Lord, and I'm just going to keep flowing in that. It, wouldn't that be a wonderful way to live? Couldn't church be like that? Can't, can't we give, having received such great mercy and grace, can't we give that to others? Can you say amen? It, it, you know, there's a flow in that. You know, I don't trust people who have it all together. Do you? I don't trust them. If they don't walk with a limp, I, I, don't, I don't trust them. I better see some limping afterwards. You know, you kind of... We're going to do something. We're going to close now. We're going to do something different. We're going to do what the New Testament church did. They weren't just hearers of the Word. They did what? They, they did it. That's what the New Testament did. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to turn and get together for just ten minutes with three or four people. And you may do it on the pew, but you probably will have to turn around. And I'd like you to share a prayer request, something that you've carried into this place that's a burden. It can be of something big. It can be something small. You don't have to participate. You can just listen if you'd like. But I want you to briefly listen, share your prayer concern, and then go right to prayer. No long, no. You just share the prayer concern, and then people pray for you, and then somebody else shares a prayer concern, and then we pray for them. Can we do that? Can you say amen? Can we do that? So what I want you to do now is to turn around and to get into groups of three or four, and, and, and you've got to be brief, you've got to be to the point, but share a prayer concern that you have, and, and let's pray for one another. You can get up, you can move around, it's okay, this is a safe family. But would you do that now? Would you get up and get into groups of three or four? And, and let's just pray for a specific prayer request, okay? You can sit down, feel free to do that. Let's go to prayer, okay? Won't take long. Find somebody. Let's find somebody. If you would, go ahead, sit down if you'd like. It's fine to sit down.